listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. our series, we've been kind of talking on holiness, and again, uh, for those of you that maybe are uh, new to the series, holiness again occurs as um, we are set apart because God is set apart, and we're separated from those things uh, of sin, those uh, things that... um, that cause us to, uh, you know, feel shame and guilt and condemnation. God has separated us from all of that unto himself. And that's what uh, holiness is. And that, that is imputed to us through our faith in Jesus Christ. And again, the video is just a great example of what we've been talking about these last few weeks. When you make your relationship with God all about kind of keeping the rules, you know, trying to, you know, act holy, look holy, uh, and and there's no authenticity, there's no realness um, to that, uh, you'll lose the whole point of what God is really wanting, and, and that is just an authentic relationship with us. We all, uh, again, act religious because we kind of think that's what God wants, that's what he expects, that's what he's after. And, and again, God in his holiness, he has taken us and just set us apart unto himself for a very specific purpose and design, and that is, is that he would lavish his love upon us And then out of that love that we receive that Jim talked about this morning, that's where we begin to love God in return. So we're we're loving out of what we have received in God's love. And it is that love that we're able to express to ourselves, to our neighbors. And again, this is one of the purposes for becoming holy as God is holy because we're set apart for that. Again, God's holiness, it, it is unique to himself. There's no other being that has holiness like God has holiness. I've described it as God's otherness. And it means, again, he's just set apart. He is, he's transcendent. He is, he is exalted. He is lifted high above and beyond anyone and anything. He is separated from anything and everything that would be contrary to his nature. So because lying is contrary to the nature of God, he is separated from anything or anyone that involves deception, therefore making it impossible for God to lie. Okay, because God is holy. Again, any manifestation of sin is contrary to God's nature. And therefore, he is separated from it. And that's why it can't dwell in his presence. Again, once we are born again, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning, we're separated. In, in, that, in that becoming born again, God re- immediately separates us from all that God is separated from, and we begin this lifelong process of being conformed more and more and more into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Now again, holiness for a believer, we've kind of talked about this, it's kind of this state of being, not doing before God. It is this eternal, this active, uh, ongoing conformity to everything that is pure, wise, and good. It is kind of this complete, it is the ultimate uh, of 
of ultimate, it is unchanging. So in the life of believers, holiness, again, it, we talked about it, it's imputed. And it is a process, again, that begins the moment you are born again and will continue until the day we die or Jesus comes back for his bride, his church. Now, three things. We're going to talk about these three things today. According to the Bible, are absolutely necessary to the salvation of every human being. Anyone who lacks any one of these three, you have every reason to question the authenticity of your salvation. Okay? So I want to look at three words, and then I want to kind of focus in on two of them um, specifically um, this morning, because these three words, these concepts, these biblical doctrines we're going to talk about today, these three comprise the separation and the process of our holiness, the, the work that God is doing in you. I'm going to explain what he's doing. And, and these three things are indispensable to that. First word is regeneration. It is a spiritual transformation in a person. It is something, it, it is a work of the Holy Spirit in you. And it brings the individual, regeneration is simply bringing the individual from a state of spiritual death into a place of spiritual life where you become a spiritually alive human being. Now, regeneration, it's one of those really fancy theological words. Uh, it, 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 we talk about it as being saved, uh, born again, the new birth, the second birth. There's a lot of different words. All of those words kind of mean the same thing, regeneration. Now, according to Hodge's systematic theology, the word generation is used almost universally, again, to refer to that instantaneous change from spiritual death to spiritual life. Titus chapter three, verse three, kind of again, references the concept of regeneration. And there it says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We've all been there, done that, right? No, this isn't anything that is unique to Titus, okay? It's kind of like he's reading our mail, right? We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. We've been there, done that, right? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Who's God our Savior? Jesus, yeah. It says that when God our Savior appeared, he saved us. And here's the good news. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration, there's that word, and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. He's the, he's the channel. He's the means by which God's grace and mercy and love, everything is channeled to you and I through Jesus Christ. So that being justified, we're going to talk about that, by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the regenerated person 
is someone who has forever ceased to be the person they were. Their old life is over. Their new life has begun. They are a new creature in Christ, buried with Christ, out of reach of condemnation, and they are raised with Christ to a life of righteousness. That's regeneration. That's born again, being saved. Justification is, the, is what, and again, a big fancy theological word, but it is the doctrinal belief that God pardons, he accepts, and declares. And all of that is fully. I mean, you can't get any more pardoned, accepted, or declared than you are when you're justified. There's, there's no room for it. it it's, it's to its maximum. <laughs> so it is the doctrinal belief that God pardons. He fully accepts, completely declares a sinner to be just on the basis and the works of Christ's righteousness. And I, on your handout there, I, I've listed some scriptures there so you can, you can check me on this. You can go back and look up these Bible verses and you'll just say to yourself, wow, he did know what he was talking about for a change, right? So it is, and, and what you're gonna find is in that justification, when you are fully pardoned, fully accepted, fully declared, to be just, you're going to just find you're going to be filled with God's peace, Romans 5.1. You're going to be filled with his spirit, Romans 8.4, and again, salvation is there. Another way of thinking about justification is it's just as if I never sinned. Justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ apart from all works and merit of the sinner, meaning there's nothing you can do to earn this. You cannot be good enough to do this on your own. So again, justification, it is a legal transaction in the heavenlies, wherein God deems the sinner righteous on the basis of Christ's righteousness. Has nothing to do with you. God looks at Christ and he just basically takes his righteousness and just transfers it onto you. He imputes it to you. That's justification. It has nothing to do with you. Doesn't matter how much money you put in the offering plate this morning. And no, you can't get it back. <laughs> Unlike sanctification, which I'll talk about here in just a second, justification, it's not a process. It's not ongoing it is a one-time act. It is complete, and it is fully definitive. And justification, you can kind of see it uh, or describe it in two parts. First, the sinner is forgiven on the basis of Christ's righteousness. Now, the pardon that you receive in justification does not merely just cover sins committed, but it will extend to all sins. Now, secondly, as a sinner... Um, adopted, you become a child of God. And so basically, you kind of go from uh, the, the, the family of Satan, so to say, and you are put into, you are adopted into the family of God. You go from the house of hell to the home of heaven. 
This is what Paul's referring to when he wrote in Romans 8, 17, and he says, and if children, if you're a child of God, a son and daughter of the Most High, he said, you're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ Jesus. Now, what that simply means is, as a fellow heir of Christ Jesus, what is his is yours. It, it, what belongs to Christ now belongs to you because you're a child of God. You're an heir of God. So again, the moment you repent of your sin, you turn to Jesus and you say yes, uh, uh, and, and he becomes your personal savior, the Bible says in that moment you are instantly, completely, fully justified. That means you're declared righteous before God through the atoning work of Christ upon the cross on your behalf. That is justification through generation and, and justification, that is how the Christian life begins. And, and all of that happens just in, 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 in flash of an eye, blink of an eye. It, it, it's, it's all done. It's over. I mean, it's pretty much over before you even think it's begun. It's just that quick, okay? And that is how the Christian life begins, now, up to this point, you've had nothing to do with this other than you've just repented, you, you, you've turned, uh, and you have said yes to what God is offering you through Jesus Christ. Up to that point, you've done nothing else, but you've done everything to not deserve this. Okay, but God's not doing this because of everything that you've done or not done. It's not about you. It is all about God, his grace, and his mercy. Now, sanctification, again, another big theological fancy word, but you know what? If you're, if you're reading and studying your Bible, you will run across these words. It's just good to know what they mean. In its verbal form, you, you'll find it maybe sanctify, and it literally means to be set apart. Now, now wait a minute, Pastor. I thought you said holiness meant to, it, it does. And, and sanctification really it shares a lot of the same qualities and characteristics as holiness. And really, to uh, sanctify someone, it is God sets you apart for a very, very special, unique, particular purpose. And we're going we're gonna to focus on that this morning. And that is, he is in the process now of of sanctifying you, making you fit for his purposes, okay? Therefore, sanctification, it refers to the state or that process of becoming more and more set apart unto God. It's the process, again, by how we deepen that relationship of holiness with God. So it's, it's once you get in there, it's like, okay, I'm in this set-apart relationship with God. How do I go deeper in that? Sanctification is how you go deeper into that process of holiness with God. So to sanctify someone or something is you have set that person or that thing apart, and it is intended for a very, very specific purpose by its owner or designer, so you could say a pen is sanctified in the hands of a writer when they're using it to write. You could say eyeglasses are sanctified when they're used to improve your sight. Okay, in a theological sense, things are sanctified when they are used for the purposes God intended. 
So you have an intended use and purpose and design for God, and your sanctification is that process by which God is going to begin to reveal, and he's going to begin to use you for this very, very specific purpose. So sanctification, unlike the other two, sanctification, it is a progressive, ongoing, daily growth in righteousness. It is a process whereby we are becoming less and less of what we used to be and more and more of what God wants us to be. The will of God, God's plan for your life is to be sanctified. And I'll prove that to you in a moment. God's saying, I want your daily life, not just your Sunday morning life. I want your everyday life to be more and more free from what Jim talked about, the hindrances of sin. I want your life to be more and more dedicated and consecrated to me so that your Christian life will be a witness, it will be a testimony that you have indeed been changed and you are a new creation in Christ. Now when you get saved, God wants you to become more and more like his son. And sanctification is that ongoing process that God uses to accomplish that purpose and plan in your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says this, For this is the will of God. What is it? Your sanctification. A lot of us, we're trying to figure out God's will for our life. What is God's plan for my life? Well, it tells you right there, your sanctification. And if that's all God's will was for your life, that would be more than enough. So that is, and he kind of goes on, that you abstain from sexual immorality. We've talked on that so many times. We all know what sexual immorality is. So that each of you know how to possess his vessel, your body. In sanctification and honor. Paul says in Romans 6, 19, he said, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members, again, your, your body, as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members, your body, as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. You've got two choices. You're going to be a slave of unrighteousness, which is just going to lead to more unrighteousness, is what Paul says. Or you are going to be a slave to righteousness, which is going to lead to more what? Yes, it only stands. If more unrighteousness just leads to more unrighteousness, it stands to say then that righteousness can only lead to more righteousness. That's what Paul's saying. A few verses later, verse 22, he says, but now that you have been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get, these are the good works, The fruit you get leads to sanctification. What what, what does that get me? Where does that go? And its end point, eternal life. Sanctification, again, it involves your walk in God. Living a life of sanctification is walking a life of holiness 
before God and one another. That's what, again why those two words are so closely linked in terms of definition. There's a lot of overlapping between holiness and sanctification. A lot of times why you'll see one not being talked about without the other. So there you have, again, those are the three processes God uses to make every one of us complete in Christ Jesus. Regeneration, again, being born again, justification, uh, as, just, as if I've never sinned, and sanctification, that is the process by which we, be, we go from uh, one degree of holiness to a greater degree of holiness, from one degree of righteousness to an even greater degree of righteousness. And all three of these are mandatory if anyone truly wants to walk with God in holiness, if you, if you want to please God, this, this is the way, this is the path. If you want to spend eternity with God, this is, this is the process God will use. So again, as a way to kind of help you again, kind of distinguish between justification and sanctification, let me just share a few ways these two are alike. And let me just share with you a few ways that these are unalike. Um, so let me just start with the three ways that justification and sanctification are alike. First, both justification and sanctification are alike in that they flow from the grace of God. The, these, are, the, these come to us uh, through God's channel of his grace. It is through God's gracious gift that we believers are justified or sanctified at all. So again, these are a channel by which God kind of directs his uh, blessings. It's how he kind of flows uh, to us uh, and into our lives. Second, both justification and sanctification are alike in that they are to be found in the same person. Those who are justified are always sanctified. And those who are sanctified are always justified. God has joined them together, and they cannot, they will not exist apart from the other. Now, you, you cannot be justified without being sanctified, and you cannot be sanctified without being justified. You cannot have one without the other. So you cannot just simply pray a prayer of salvation, get born again, and then say no to the rest of it. You, you cannot get born again, you cannot get justified, and then say to God, I'm just going to kind of end it there. I got kind of what I needed out of this. My ticket to heaven, I'm just going to kind of go and continue to live life my way on my terms, and I'll see you when I see you. That doesn't happen. That, 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 if that's people's attitude, I'm telling you what, you did not understand what you received was something other than salvation and justification. If there's nothing more beyond that, then you don't even have that. Sanctification, again, can, can, it, we can compare it to, we can liken it to the bearing of fruit that Jesus talked about in John 15. Beginning of verse one, he says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, now get this, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, he kind of cuts it way back, so that it what? 
might bear more fruit. We all understand that uh, idea. If you've got flowers or trees, I mean, you prune something, man, it looks like you just killed it. And man, it just comes back the next season bigger and stronger than ever. So fruit bearing, it is not optional for believers. Either you're bearing fruit or you aren't. And if you aren't, you're taken out. And if you are bearing fruit, the Bible says you increase and God's going to use it to uh, cause you to bear more. Verse 4 continues. So how do you do this? How do you, how, do you, how do you get that fruit going? How do you get that fruit increasing? Well, Jesus tells you in verse 4, he says, abide in me. Those are, those are like, those are three very, very important words in Scripture. Sometimes just, just take those three words and just set those before God. And just say, God, would you just show me, teach me, lead me in what it means to abide in you. And Jesus says, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Pretty important stuff. Again, that phrase, abiding in me, it's relational. We've talked so much about this. How holiness really is, is, is your relationship, your intimacy with God. Abiding in him, that is so relational. The fruit in our lives is not something that we have to labor to produce. The fruit in our lives, again, it just comes from abiding. It's just resting in him, being led of the spirit, being obedient to his word. Again, not, not, you're not doing any of this to get something. You're doing all of this because of what you've been given, what you've received. As we've been talking throughout the series on holiness, our holiness before God, it is so much more about uh, our being before God, not our doing for him. Abiding in him is primary. The fruit of our lives is secondary. The fruit comes from abiding. It comes from the relationship. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Again, there's no way we can produce the fruit that Jesus is talking about here uh, apart from him. We got to abide in him. Your holiness before God, it is your, it's your intimacy, it's your relationship with God. And again, that is primary. If your Christian life is all about, again, producing of the fruit, keeping the laws, the rules, the commandments, the regulations, however you describe that, if that's all it is about, if, the, if it's not about abiding, if it's not about relationship with God, if it's not about intimacy and growing in that, folks, you're, you're just going to dry up. And you're just going to burn out. So a person who is justified must, you have to be, or, 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 or you haven't been justified. And if you haven't been justified, you haven't been regenerated. A person who is sanctified, a person who is justified must also be in the process of producing fruit through sanctification. Again, Jesus makes it very clear. You cannot have one without the other. Both justification and sanctification, the producing of fruit, must be found in the life of every believer. Third thing, both justification and sanctification begin at the same time. The moment a person is justified, he also begins to be sanctified. I think we've kind of covered that one. Now, let me just share with you some ways justification, sanctification is not alike. First of all, justification is a finished, it is a complete work. 
And again, we've, I've said this, man is perfectly, completely, wholly justified the moment he believes. Nothing can be added to your justification from the moment you have believed, and nothing can be taken from it. Justification is fully, completely, all there the moment it is started. Sanctification, on the other hand, it is an imperfect work. And by imperfect, I mean there are times you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall down. You're going to miss God in, in some way. You're going to have failures. You're going to maybe kind of get sidetracked. There are going to be times in, in this process of sanctification, you are going to have times of just tremendous growth. You're also going to have those times where you just feel like, spiritually, you just can't put one foot in front of the other very well. So there's just going to be times where there's going to be weak growth. There's going to be periods, again, of fast growth, periods of slow growth. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, that, he's referring to sanctification there, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So justification, sanctification begin at the same moment in a believer's life. Justification is completed immediately, whereas sanctification remains active in the life of the believer for the rest of their earthly life. Did you, are, you get, are you tracking with me on this? I read a very interesting study this week that millennials, the, the, the generation coming up, they have finally kind of peeled back the very thin veneer of the polished uh, look that a lot of churches are putting on on Sunday mornings, and they're finding out there's not a lot of substance there. Millennials are looking for substance. They, they've had the shiny glitter. They've had the beautiful little package uh, of what, what a lot of times uh, churches tend to want to try to put forth. And, and they're finding that when they kind of peel that all away, that there's no substance and what, what we want to do here, we want to teach substance. I, I, love, I love a nice presentation. I love awesome worship. And Jason does a phenomenal job. I mean, I, I love all of that. And I, and I, I like the way we're doing it. But it, it, none of that can take the place of substance um, in, in the preaching, in the word. Um, and, and so this is, you know, this is just teaching time. This is where we're really trying to give you some substance. So when you're getting into the word, you're kind of looking at this stuff and you're, you're, it'll start clicking. This is, this is what pastor's talking about. You know, this is what Jim prays about. This is what Jason is leading in worship. If you're in a Bible study with Mark and Cassie, I mean, all of this stuff will kind of begin to flow together or it should. Uh, and we try to make it as best we can do that. So second thing, justification is the gracious work of God within us, and it is one of those things that's not visibly discerned by others. Now you can sit there and say, I'm justified, okay? I can't, I can't look at you and see if that's true. I don't really have any outward way of judging whether that statement is true, okay? It's a work of the heart, and because it is a work of the heart, Again, only God sees it. Only God knows. Okay? God, one of the things that God will do for you is he'll confirm that to your spirit that you're born again. Do you know that? You don't have to wonder. 
Sometimes people think, I, I don't know if I'm born again. Well, just simply ask God to confirm that to your spirit one way or the other. Either you are or you aren't. He'll tell you. The Bible says in Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself testifies with whose spirit? Mine. The spirit of God testifies with my spirit that we are what? Children of God. Well, you know what? If he'll testify to your spirit that you are, he'll testify to your spirit that you aren't. And if you aren't, you, you can become born again. And you can become a child of God. That's, so I can't, you can't say to me, I'm justified and, and I, can't, I can't prove that. Um, it's a work of the heart. It's, and it's only what God sees. Sanctification, on the other hand, it is the work of God within us. It, it will manifest itself. Okay, not maybe, not might, not hopefully. It will manifest itself. And it can and should be visibly seen and benefiting others. If sanctification is to be true in the life of the believers, it must be, it should be observable by others. Whether it's good fruit or bad fruit, it's discernible. The parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus told in Luke 10. Wonderful example of, of this. This is loving your neighbor, Jesus said. Sanctification can manifest itself as a fruit of the Spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. James says, these are the kinds of works that should accompany our Faith and, sanct and, uh, and sanctification. James 2.15 asked this question. He said, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you who has the means to fill that need, if one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? So, so he just goes on and he just says, faith without works is dead. I would tell you, justification without sanctification, it's dead on arrival. The works of sanctification should, they must be visible outwardly. Third, in justification, our own works have no place at all. Again, this is holy, completely an act of God on our behalf. That's his mercy. Flowing from his grace and, and just simple faith, just responding to that nudging, just responding to that drawing that God is making uh, toward us. We just respond to his love, his mercy, his grace through Christ. Uh, again, uh, that's the only response that we can make towards God. In justification, okay, you are not going to be judged for that, your justification, because it had nothing to do with you. It was all God. So you're not going to be judged for that. You're not going to be called to be accountable to that in any way. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Sanctification is really a whole different matter. Okay, in sanctification, our good works are of vast importance. Again, those secondary, and I always want to emphasize that. When we're talking about good works, it is always secondary to the primary, which is our relationship, our intimacy with God. In sanctification, our works, though they are of vast importance, 
One day we will be judged. We will be called to give an account. And we will be rewarded, the Bible says, according to our works, the fruit in our lives. Again, both the good and the bad. And again, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. That flows from the relationship. It's not what establishes the relationship, but it flows from that relationship. And God prepared in advance for us to do. So these good works are the works that come from sanctification. They are an essential part of our holiness before God. Again, part of God's plan and purpose for our lives as believers is to do those good works. He prepared beforehand for us to do. We see this scenario playing out in the story of the sheep and the goats. Jesus told Matthew 25, you remember the goats who saw those who were hungry gave them nothing to eat, whereas the sheep fed the hungry. The goats encountered strangers, and Jesus said, you never invited them in, whereas the sheep invited them in. He said the goats saw people who were naked, did nothing to clothe them, clothe them, whereas the sheep saw the naked and clothed them. The goats saw those who were sick and in prison, did not visit them, whereas Jesus said the sheep visited the sick and in prison. And then in verse 46, he makes this statement, these, the goats, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, the sheep, into eternal life so the sheep and the goats were judged and rewarded according to what they did and did not do we will also be judged according to our works of sanctification whether good or bad you may also remember in 2 Corinthians 5 10 Paul wrote for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ Every one of us in this room, we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now that word judgment seat, if that strikes terror or dread or an ungodly kind of fear, let me dispel that for you because that word in the Greek is bima. And Paul's referring there to a platform. If you watched any of the Olympics in Rio, you kind of saw that word bima every time the uh, Olympians would get up there and they would receive their medals. They would, you'd see the gold medal winner on the highest tier and the silver and the bronze on lower tiers. That's the bima. What they're standing on there is what Paul's calling, that's the bima. That's the judgment seat. And that bema is used to reward those who have won. So when you, when you stand before Christ in the judgment seat, you've won. You're, 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 you're there. You're good. Your salvation's not in question. This isn't a matter of God getting out the scales and kind of weighing it. If you're in the bema seat, you've won. Now, you may not be on the gold tier, but that's okay. You're, you're, you've won. You're there. You're going to be rewarded, Okay? The judgment seat that Paul refers to there is for believers only. And every believer one day will stand before the Bema seat, that elevated platform, and you're going to be rewarded for the sanctifying works that you kind of did in cooperation uh, with, with Christ, your co-worker with Christ, you're being led of the Spirit, you're being obedient to that leading. And again, you're going to be rewarded for all of that. 
And that is why it is important that our sanctification, that process of sanctification, that process of going on to holiness, of righteousness, it's got to be visibly discernible. Because one day we're going to be judged for both our good works and bad works. So you could say sanctification is evidence, 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 evidence that Christ abides in you and you in he. And do not be deceived, folks. If there is no fruit, there is no root. John Wesley, the father of Methodism, was often asking believers this question. Are you going on to perfection? In other words, what he's asking them, are you going on to sanctification? Some of the ways, again, that we can make progress in our sanctification is reading, studying, meditating on the Word of God, private, public, prayer time, worship, attending church, fasting, giving of our time, talents, and treasures, celebrating communion, which we did this morning, just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. These are all things that we can kind of just come into agreement with God on. These are ways I'm going to spend my time. These are ways I'm going to focus my energies. And God will use that among many other things. These are the big things. God will use that among many other things just to take you deeper and deeper into that. I want to close this morning with a quote from John Piper on the subject of sanctification. I thought this was funny. You'll get uh, hopefully a kick out of this. He said, now I know sanctification is a church word. You would agree with that, right? Sanctification. You don't use that at the coffee shop, do you? Do you guys use that at the coffee shop candy? No, okay. Uh, sanctification is a church word. I don't think I've ever seen the word sanctification in the Minneapolis Star Tribune. It is a church word. So someone might say, why don't you choose a non-church word? There are reasons for that. He said, not the least of which is that sanctification is built on the Latin word sanctus, which means holy, and the world doesn't know anything about holiness. That's a church word too, he says. We need the word sanctification. If we tried to build it on a non-Latin word and said holification, ah, that just sounds even worse, doesn't it? It wouldn't be any better. He said, but I'm not, going to try, I'm not going to sacrifice the word sanctification because nobody in the world uses it. I'm going to teach it. He said, so here's the definition. And I, I think I put this on your outline. Progressively becoming like Jesus, gradually becoming like Jesus or becoming holy, being conformed to the image of Christ little by little over time from conversion till Jesus comes back or you die, you are in the process of sanctification, being sanctified, becoming holy. I thought that summed it up pretty good, didn't it? Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let me just ask you that question that Wesley asked of other believers. And he was very, very fond of saying that let me just ask you, let me just challenge your heart this morning. Are you going on to sanctification? Or are you going on to perfection? And if not, I think the prayer Pastor Jim prayed this morning is spot on. Today is a new day. It's a day of new beginnings. Let yesterday be yesterday. Let it go. Hit the delete button. Let the blood of Christ just cover whatever needs to be covered in that, and just purpose in your heart today. Today is a new day. Today is a new opportunity. Today is a, is a day where I can just ask God, just God, would you just do what you gotta do, prune you, whatever God's gotta do, that you might produce more fruit, that you would produce, uh, again, uh, holiness, that, that that would just begin to kind of emanate from your being.
this morning. So I just want to ask you, are you going on to perfection? Are you going on to sanctification? And this morning, it's just simply saying to God, I, I want to do that. And I, and I need your help. Apart from you, I, I cannot do that. So God, teach me those three very simple words, abide in you. So Father, this morning, we just ask, Lord, that you again would just teach, guide, lead, train our hearts to abide in you. And Lord, we know that you are faithful to your promise that you will abide in us. God, it's never a question on your end, God. You've got your end covered. So this morning, Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would just come and abide in us, Lord. And in that abiding, that God, you will take us on to perfection. You'll take us on to that process of sanctification Whereby, God, we just become more and more set apart unto you, to your ways, to your mind, to your thoughts, to your heart, to your will. And God, in that, God, we will begin to discover your plans and your purposes for us. And out of that, God, we will just begin to bear much fruit for you and for your kingdom. And so, God, this morning, yes, we want to go on to perfection. We want to go on to sanctification. We're just asking you to come. And by your Holy Spirit, God, just to lead us and to guide us. Father, I pray for those this morning, God, who are, have not experienced that regeneration, that justification in their life. Father, I pray as we spoke about that, God, I just pray your Holy Spirit, God, would just bring illumination. That, God, you would again reveal to them their need for this, to be born again. So, Father, I just pray if there are any here this morning that don't know you, that, God, they would seek out one of the pastors or seek out a mature believer and just ask them, I, I, I want to be born again. How do I do that? So, God, we just pray, Lord, that there are needs in here this morning for sanctification. There are needs in here this morning for regeneration, for justification. And, Father, all of it comes from you. And Father, all of it is a gift of your grace to us. And so Father, we want to receive all of that this morning, whatever our need is. And we just thank you that you have provided for all of that through your son, Jesus Christ, in whose precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.